بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ان الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا ايها الذين امنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما رساد الشريف اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد كما صليت على ابراهيم وعلى ال ابراهيم انك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد كما باركت على ابراهيم وعلى ال ابراهيم انك حميد مجيد A warm welcome to everybody to our 14th session on our series which is Islam's greatest personalities and we are starting with the prophets the anbiya alayhim salatu wassalam and we have previously spoken about prophet adam alayhi salam over eight sessions and also prophet idris alayhi salam prophet Saleh alayhi salam, Prophet Hud alayhi salam, Prophet Nuh alayhi salam. And here we are today speaking about the father of the prophets, the Khalil of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the great, great, great grandfather of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Sayyiduna Ibrahim alayhi salam. Ibrahim alayhi salam, who was he? So the historians, they say he was Ibrahim, the son of Tariq, the son of Nahur, the son of Saruq, the son of Rahu, the son of Falig, the son of Abir, the son of Shalik, the son of Arfaqsht, the son of Sam, the son of Nuh alayhi salam. So this is the uh, ancestry of Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam. Again, we see he goes to Sam, the son of Nuh alayhi salam, from whom the Arabs uh, originated. Um, just like we discussed regarding the people of Thamud as well. Now, we know Prophet Ibrahim salam is from amongst the greatest prophets. If we were to say, after Rasulullah if there was a prophet, and if we were to say who is the greatest prophet after the Prophet without any doubt, we would be able to comfortably say it is Sayyiduna Ibrahim salam. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about Ibrahim alayhi salam in many places in the Quran. There are many verses that speak about, that praise Ibrahim alayhi salam. And there are many ahadith as well. Let's just take a few examples. First of all, we have an ayah of the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, this is quite unique. We don't hear this about anybody else. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, A'udhu billahi minash shaitan rajim Inna Ibrahim kana ummah. إِنَّ إِبْرَاهِيمَ كَانَ أُمَّةً قَانِتًا لِلَّهِ حَنِيفًا وَلَمْ يَكُمْ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ibrahim was an ummah. One man is being defined as an ummah. إِنَّ إِبْرَاهِيمَ كَانَ أُمَّةً قَانِتًا Some have translated it as, Indeed, Ibrahim was an exemplary leader. And then Qanitan Lillah, devoted to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hanifan, he was a monotheist. He was a monotheist. He believed and practiced Tawheed throughout his life. Walam minal mushrikeen. And he wasn't amongst the polytheists. He never associated any partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now this ayah is very interesting because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has just described Ibrahim alayhi salam as an ummah. 
Now normally we translate ummah to be a nation. How can one man be an ummah? Inna Ibrahima kana ummatan. And then in the same verse we find Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes on to say shakiran li an'umih. Allah praises him by saying he was thankful for all of his blessings. Ijtabahu, Allah chose him. Wahadahu ila siratim mustaqim and guided him to the straight path. Waateinahu fid dunya hasana and he blessed him with good things in the world. Wa innahu fil akhirati lamin al salihim and the hereafter he is going to be amongst the righteous. Now, if we look at this verse, the scholars of Tafsir have gone into detail. Let's just take the quote of Imam Al Qurtubi rahmatullah alayhi. And Imam Al Qurtubi rahmatullah alayhi goes on to explain ummah. What does it mean? Inna Ibrahim kana ummatan. How was Ibrahim an ummah, being one man? And he's explained it by saying, a man or a person or an individual who is, you can say, very comprehensive, very inclusive, universal, and is able to do all sorts of things and benefit as many people as possible. Al-Jami'a lil-Khair, a person who has all types of virtues and blessings and goodness in them. This is, you, you can call this person an Ummah. And Ibn Wahab, he narrates from Malik, Rahmatullah alayhi, he says that it has reached me from Sayyiduna Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He would say, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu is a Sahabi. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu is a Sahabi. He would say, Yirhamullahu Mu'adhan, may Allah have mercy on Mu'adh. Which Mu'adh? Mu'adh ibn Jabal. We know Mu'adh ibn Jabal. A'lamuhum bil halali wal haram. Mu'adh ibn Jabal, the most knowledgeable in regards to the halal and haram. He was a very great scholar. So Mu'adh ibn Jabal, Abdullah ibn Masood radiallahu ta'ala anhu would say, may Allah have mercy on Mu'adh ibn Jabal, kana ummatan qanitan. He was an ummah and he was devoted. So somebody said to him, فَقِيلَ لَهُ يَا عَبْدِ الرَّحْمَانِ O Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, this is, إِنَّمَا ذَكَرَ اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلْ بِهَذَا إِبْرَاهِيمَ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ The description that you're giving to Mu'adh ibn Jabal, Allah has described Ibrahim alayhi salam with this. Why, how come you're using that description on another sahabi, Mu'adh ibn Jabal? And Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu went to do the tafsir and the explanation of what the word ummah means. And he went on to say, إِنَّ الْأُمَّةَ الَّذِي يُعَلِّمُ النَّاسِ بِالْخَيْرِ إِنَّ الْأُمَّةَ الَّذِي يُعَلِّمُ النَّاسَ بِالْخَيْرِ That individual who goes around teaching people goodness as much as possible, this is what an ummah is. And in this regards, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praised Ibrahim alayhi salam because he was spreading so much good. When one person spreads so much good, it's equal to a whole ummah. Similarly, Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu ta'ala anhu would say, Yarhamullahu Mu'adhan kana ummatan qanitan. And qanit, he's gone on to describe that qanit means al-muti'i, one who is obedient and totally devoted to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in this regard, a person who is universal, and it's very difficult to be like that, where you're a jack of all trades, and not, not, not a master of none, where some people think they can do everything, but they don't end up doing anything. They make a mess everywhere they go. No. Like they say, Neem Hakim, for example. Okay, in every house you will find, this is very common now, in every single household you will find two kinds of pro professionals in every house. You find a mufti in every house and a doctor. Is it true? 
Yeah, in every house, you'll find a mufti and a doctor. Yeah, there'll be one person in the house who declares things halal and haram and tries to give their verdict. And there'll always be someone in every single household who thinks they know it all when it comes to uh, medicine, when it comes to health, especially now with COVID. Everyone's got their own, you know, take steam in and put some clothes in and do this as well and do that as well. And, you know, this works and this doesn't work and whatnot. Anyhow, so... Ummah, Ibrahim salam being one person, and we can see how many things even today we do every single day, and these were the good things that Ibrahim salam taught. We're going to speak about some of them now shortly, but I can touch on, for example, in our salah we remember Ibrahim salam every day. And besides that, there are so many other things. Look at the whole concept of Hajj. The whole concept of Hajj, the Umrah, the Eid that we have. And there are many other things like that as well, which we are following in the footsteps of Ibrahim salam. So in that context, he was one man, but he was an Ummah. He did so much, he was so universal and he reached out everywhere. Like that we have in the Ummah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created certain individuals. And we can say they are an Ummah. Hazrat Mawlana, Ilyas sahab rahmatullah alayhi, the founder of the work of Jama'at and Dawat and Tabligh. I would say he was an ummah. One man, he was alone. There was nobody who supported him in the early days. For him to be such an individual that caused a revival more than a hundred years ago, to set up such an amazing network, totally non-political, not taking any, not a single penny, rather spending on other people, and going round to people who are away from the houses of Allah, away from the deen of Allah, and bringing them together. This started from one individual. And when he started, people would laugh at him. People would joke with him. And he would say that I can sense, when, when he was getting this room built in India, for those who have been in Nizamuddin, I've been there, I've seen it. And that particular room that he was getting built, and he said, you know, ensure that there's some windows in here so cool air can also pass through in the, in, in the days of heat. And people laughed at him and said, like, why would you need to do that? He said, people are going to come here from Paris, from New York, from London, and when they come, they'll need, you know, they're not used to staying in such hot weather. And people laughed at him at that time. And now you go there, there's people from all over the world. And it's become a global kind of thing where every single one of us sitting here have benefited in some shape or form from the efforts of Mawlana Ilyas rahmatullah alayhi. If not directly, then indirectly. You can't escape from it. Everybody has in some way, shape or form. You would say that he was one man. He was alone when he started. A lot of times you think you need a whole team, you need an army, you need, it, it doesn't always work like that. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to utilize somebody, then he, he does. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala utilizes them. We see the example in, in, in our country in recent times of our shaykh and our teacher, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fill his grave with nur, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala elevate his status. But we only realize when these individuals leave the world, Hadrat Mawlana Yusuf Mutala, uh, rahmatullah alayhi, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept all of his works. He was one man alone. And you'll have heard the stories that when he came here first, after graduating, studying for so many seven, eight, nine years in a Darul Uluma, you're studying the Quran, you're studying the Sunnah. And then when he became an Imam in Bolton, he wrote back to Hadha Shaykh Rahmatullah saying that I don't want to stay here. There's nobody to pray Salah. Sometimes it's only me and the Mu'addin, we are the only two people who are doing the Salah. And sometimes I'm even alone. 
and it's scary and you know there's thugs around and it's, it was quite racist back then because there weren't many Muslims you know I thought that after studying Arabic and Quran and Sunnah for so many years maybe in one of the madrasas I would have taught the books of hadith or the books of fiqh what am I going to do here and Hadha Sheikh Rahmatullah writes back to him and saying don't worry my beloved you remain there Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take work from you the, the lessons of hadith and the lessons of fiqh and the lessons of tafsir will be delivered at your hands and through your institutes. And it was as a result of this dua and you can call the attention and the blessings that we see that through one individual, we see a whole revival and a change to the whole of Europe, you could say. It was the first establishment in 1973 the first place in the whole of the uk where qala allah qala rasul as a result of that today you're sitting here in front of me i'm i am i am a product of that institute i'm sitting here whatever i'm sharing with you and not just myself many others that you will see not just in birmingham but throughout the world this was one person and how many in, that was one institute that started there and then that became two and then it became three and then there was girls as well and then four and five and then other countries as well also and that's just one line of work and then what about all the people that graduated from there and all the other projects carried out by Hazrat Rahmatullah indeed he was an ummah I'm just going through one or two individuals there will be many other great people if you get the concept and the idea it's not always necessary that you start off with a big team and a huge army Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes work I mean these were different kind of examples I gave to you alhamdulillah if you look at this masjid may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept the people behind the scenes you might not see you you come and you you pray and you benefit alhamdulillah and you leave but behind the scenes a lot of work has takes place and there are many individuals all volunteers who give a lot of time and mashallah you know it's the effort it's a combined effort of the dedicated committee members the trustees and the many volunteers male and female young and old but i would surely say that brother adil okay i would call him he is an ummah in in his own sense in in the in the fact that the powerhouse the mastermind the thought behind all of these or many of these programs and many of the events and the activities that you're seeing taking place you need somebody who is like that who has the fikr who has the concern and we make dua Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protects him may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless him may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep him going because he keeps us going he's the one who keeps us going so may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep him going and keep him with good health and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept all the efforts this is just one name there are many brothers many sisters many volunteers as a result of which we see what's happening but it takes that one individual at times to make that effort and be the powerhouse behind whatever's going on so inna ibrahim kana ummatan Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in another verse he praises him وَذْكُرْ فِي الْكِتَابِ إِبْرَاهِيمِ إِنَّهُ كَانَ صِدِّيقًا نَبِيًّا O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam make the mention of Ibrahim alayhi salam in the book meaning in the Quran he was a man of truth Allah says he was a man of truth and he was a prophet another ayah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says إِنَّ إِبْرَاهِيمَ لَحَلِيمٌ أَوَّاهٌ مُنِيبٌ three words Allah uses to describe him Indeed, Ibrahim was Halim, Awah, and Munib. Many scholars have given different meanings. So let's take one meaning at a time. Inna Ibrahima la Halimun. Allah says, indeed, Ibrahim was very gentle, very kind, and devout. 
This is if we take one meaning. And let's take one at a time. So what is Al-Halim? Al-Halim, the scholars have said, is a person who has a lot of Hilm. And generally, Hilm is translated as being tolerant, forbearing. And like you let, you let people off. You're not too strict. You overlook mistakes. Someone's wrong, you overlook it. You have a big heart. And you overlook people's mistakes. You're tolerant. You're not so, you're not always penalizing. So Allah describes him saying, Inna Ibrahim al-Halimun. He put up with a lot. He went through a lot of difficulties at the expense of other people, but he didn't take them to task for it. He didn't take revenge for himself. Yeah, if it was for Allah, that was different. But for himself, he let people off. He didn't sort of go and go out. He wasn't a person who would go and take revenge. And Awahun, some ulama have said, Ibn Mas'ud says, Awah is a da'a. So one is a person who makes du'a. But when you are Awah, you make du'a a lot. You cry to Allah. You are always turning to Allah. And you are a person who is a, a person who sort of, you stick to Allah in a sense that Awahun, you cry to Allah, a person who cries a lot, who supplicates a lot, always in dua. And Al-Munib is a person who turns to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who returns to Allah often, not just when they want something, not just when they need something, all the time. All the time. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes him, Inna Ibrahima la halimun awahun munib. Other ulama have given other explanations for these words as well. Similarly, we have a hadith where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam speaks about Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam. Take the example of this hadith in Mustad of Imam Ahmad. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Urida alayya al-anbiya. The prophets were presented to me. Now, what does it mean the prophets were presented to me? It could be one of two things. When did the Prophet ﷺ meet the prophets? In Laylatul Isra and Mi'raj. Mi'raj is when the, the journey to the heavens and Isra is the journey from uh, Makkah to Baytul Maqdis. So he met them both times, didn't he? He met all of them in Al-Isra when he reached Masjid Al-Aqsa and then he met some of them when he went to the heavens. Okay, so let's see which ones he speaks about because then we can determine which one it was or it could have been either of them. So the Prophet wasallam says, Urida al-anbiya. The prophets were presented to me. فَإِذَا بِمُوسَى ضَرْبٌ مِنَ الرِّجَالِ كَأَنَّهُمْ مِنْ رِجَالِ So he says, now this word could have two meanings. He's describing Musa salam. So either he's saying that Musa salam was like this, and he gives an explanation, or the word could mean that he wasn't a person that had a lot of flesh on his body. So he was quite, you could say, skinny. He wasn't someone who was heavyweighted. But other ulama have said, no, the word means he was similar to one of the men from the tribe of Shanu'ah. And Shanu'ah was a place in Yemen. So he's... The Prophet wasallam said, I saw Musa salam, and he looked like one of the Yemeni guys. One of the people of Yemen from the tribe of Shanu'a. If you were to look at him, he resembled, Prophet Musa salam, resembled one of the men of the people of Shanu'a. Then he says, ibn Maryam salam. I saw Isa, Jesus, the son of Mary. The person that he resembled the most, 
who looked like Isa the most, he's telling his Sahaba, like, do you want to know who he looked like from amongst our people? Is a person called Urwa, Urwa ibn Mas'ud. We shouldn't get mixed up. This was not the brother of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. This is somebody else. Urwa ibn Mas'ud, uh, he said, looks like Isa salam, looked like him. And then he says, وَرَأَيْتُ Ibrahim صَلَوَاتُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ فَإِذَا أَقْرَبُ مَنْ رَأَيْتُ بِهِ شَبَهًا صَاحِبُكُمْ He says that then I saw Prophet Ibrahim salam, the person he resembled the most was your sahib, your companion here. Who was he referring to? Himself. He says, so Ibrahim salam, if you want to know who he looked like exactly, if you want to know who he looked like, resembled the most, he says, just look at me. This is what Ibrahim looks like. So even in terms of resemblance and looks, he was very similar to the Prophet The hadith doesn't end here. He says, وَرَأَيْتُ جِبْرِيلَ And I saw Jibreel. Remember the Prophet saw Jibreel in his original state two times. One was when he, in the early days of revelation, and one was at this time of Al-Isra and Mi'raj. So he says, I saw Jibreel alayhi salam, فَإِذَا أَقْرَبُ مَنْ رَأَيْتُ بِهِ شَبَهًا دِحْيَةُ بْنُ كَلْبِ And he says that I saw Jibreel and the person that resembled him the most was a Sahabi and a companion who the Sahaba knew. His name was Dihya Al-Kalbi and he was a very handsome and very good looking Sahabi radiallahu anhu and Jibreel looked like that. And even so, when Jibreel ever came in the form of a human being, he always came in the form of Dihya Kalbi radiallahu ta'ala anhum. So this was in regards to the hadith. Now, let's move on to speaking more detail, discussing more details about Ibrahim salam. In terms of where he was born, majority of the historians say he was born in a place called, in Arabic they say Babul, in English we say Babylon, and that is in Iraq. It doesn't exist the way it used to at that time, but it's still known. People still know, you will still find it on maps, um, a place called Babylon, and it's based in Iraq. So most of the historians, Ibn Kathir and others have said, Ibrahim salam was born in a place in Iraq. And then, very soon, Ibrahim salam moved with his father to a place called Harran. And Harran is a place in southern Turkey. Um, so it's not too far from the um, Iraq border. Um, from the Syrian border even. So it's southern Turkey. When you go to, to, towards southern Turkey, there's a place called Harran, and this is where they, it says that they moved there, and that is where they lived. And the people of this area of Harran were idol worshippers, and they were disbelievers. And in the whole area at the time, the only believing people were Ibrahim salam and his wife, Sarah, and his nephew. Who was his nephew? Remember, who's already passed? Somebody said it? Prophet Lut alayhi salam, who will discuss inshallah later on. These were the only believers uh, in, in the early days at that time uh, who were in that particular area. And some of the scholars have also said that between Ibrahim alayhi salam and Nuh alayhi salam, there were no prophets that came besides Hud and Saleh. So you know we spoke about Nuh alayhi salam and then we've gone on to Hud alayhi salam to the people of Ad, Saleh alayhi salam to the people of Thamud and then we have Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam. 
some more verses in which Allah speaks about Ibrahim السلام, and different things in regards to him. Allah says in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Who is better in religion than the one who submits himself wholly to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, and is a doer of good? and follows the faith and the methodology of Ibrahim السلام, who is the monotheist and then Allah says Allah has chosen Ibrahim to be his friend and this is something very noble to be selected and chosen as one of the close friends of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so in this verse not only are we told about this we are even told that the Prophet ﷺ is being told by Allah, Allah is saying, Oh Muhammad ﷺ, I want you to follow the footsteps of Ibrahim ﷺ. And that's amazing. Imagine how great Ibrahim ﷺ must have been. Now, even our Prophet ﷺ is being told that I really, Allah is saying that I loved Ibrahim ﷺ and the way he did things. And I want you to follow in his footsteps and follow his uh, methodology and the way he did things. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, there's an excellent example in you in the life of Ibrahim and the people that were with him. And that could be his family as we can see. Hajar, Ismail, we'll speak about them more later on in, in, in the future sessions regarding Prophet Ismail Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes uh, Ibrahim with a word Hanifa or Hanif. And Hanif over here means uh, who, a person who has no inclination towards shirk whatsoever. Totally on tawheed. Monotheist believes in the oneness of Allah and there is no element. Despite, remember, this is somebody who is born in an environment of shirk. And shirk is being like pushed down his throat. He's seeing idol worship all around him. Despite that, from day one, from childhood, there was not the slightest inclination towards associating any partner with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the life of Sayyiduna Ibrahim salam. He rejected all of this so much so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made him a khalil and he became the friend of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In another verse, Allah described him by saying, Ibrahim wafa. And the Ibrahim that fulfilled every command. I threw his way, he fulfilled. He just went on fulfilling and fulfilling and fulfilling. He didn't say no to anything. He didn't say why to anything. He didn't say, oh, I accept all of this, but not this. Oh, why does it have to be like that? No. He said yes, and he agreed, and he accepted everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent his way. Another verse of the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Remember this word kalimat is here as well on this perfume. Kalimat. That's there for a reason, by the way. We'll come to that in a moment. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tested Ibrahim alayhi salam, what did he test him with? Kalimat. Allah says, 
when Allah tested Ibrahim with kalimat, he fulfilled. He fulfilled the test. He completed the test. He passed the test. What was this? When Allah says, Allah tested him with kalimat, what are the kalimat? What does it mean? So the scholars have said, Ibn Abbas ta'ala anhu says, the test Allah gave him and the word kalimat in the Quran is referring to, it was a test of personal hygiene and cleanliness. What does that mean? This was the test. Allah tested him in regards to personal hygiene and cleanliness and he passed the test. What was the test? The test was to see Ibrahim salam because these are natural things. Does he carry out these acts of personal hygiene and cleanliness? And yes, he completed all of them. There's 10 of them all together. And these 10 have become practices that Ibrahim did. And now we, because we are Muslims also, they are things that you and I are supposed to do as well. Many of us might not know that these are actually actions of Ibrahim We might just think that oh, because we're Muslims, we're doing it. But where do they originate? This was a test of Ibrahim of personal hygiene and cleanliness. Ibtalahu bi tahara. The scholars of hadith mention that Ibtalahu bi tahara. Ibn Abbas radiyallahu says, Allah tested him with a test of personal hygiene and cleanliness. Khamsun fil ra'si wa khamsun fil jasad. Five were to do with the head, meaning not just the head, but the face and the head. And five regarding the rest of the body. What were the five that were to do with the head and whatever's connected to the head? Number one, qassu sharib, trimming or shortening the mustache. Number one, this, this was the first test to see does Ibrahim salam keep a long mustache or does he shorten it? And this is number one. Number two, al-madhmada, gargling. So one is like, you know, people wash their mouth, okay, after they eat maybe. But to gargle it is a very specific thing to do where you put water in the mouth and then you gargle it. Remember, a lot of us, I think when we make wudu, we just go like, we put water in the mouth and spit it out. That's not a complete wudu. Your wudu is done, but that's not, you've not completed your wudu the way it's supposed to be. Because the act of wudu is al-madhmada. And madhmada means to gargle. So you put water in the mouth and not spit it out. It's not about washing the mouth. It's about gargling. And gargling, the way Ibrahim is, you take the water to the throat and you gargle. And then you spit it out. So this is the second test. Uh, Al-madhmada. And he carried that out. And this he made it a regular practice. Number three, al-istinshaq. Istinshaq means you put water into the nose and then you blow it out. Again, it's become part of wudu. Okay, so yes, people of the world, maybe they wash their face, they might blow their nose out, but to actually, you know, actively go to water and take a handful of water and put it into your nose, clean it and then blow it out. This is something that's exclusive to the Muslims. And we get this from Ibrahim salam, al-istinshaq. And then as-siwak, to use the miswak. This is something which is more widespread and we are, we are, we are uh, familiar with. So again, this originated from Ibrahim Ras. In this hadith mentions Farqur Ras, other hadith mention something else, and to part the hair. So if you've got long hair, 
to have a parting and the Prophet would part his hair as well. He always had long hair and he would part. He'd have a center parting in the middle of his hair. This came from Sayyiduna Ibrahim So those were the five in regards to the head and those um, parts of the body that are connected to the head. And the five that are to do with the rest of the body, number one, is taqlimul adfar, clipping of the nails. Okay? Again, it's one of our practices, isn't it? Either you do it on Juma or you do it regularly of clipping the nails and not keeping them long. Halqul ana, shaving the pubic area. He actually mentions the word shaving, halqul ana. So the hair that grows in around the private area, halqul ana. This is something that's not. It didn't just come yesterday. It didn't just come with the arrival of the Sahaba and the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. This is Islam. The pure religion, Abrahamic faith, because people say we follow the Abrahamic faith. This is from the time of Ibrahim alayhi salam, halqul ana. And number, uh, th that was number two. And then number three, al khitan, circumcision. The first person to be circumcised in the whole world was Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam. Um, so that is also an act of, we're talking about for males. This is also an act of uh, the, the kalimat, we're talking about the test. And then, natful ibit, to pluck or remove the underarm hair. Now, obviously, you'd only be able to pluck if you did it the first time. If you didn't pluck the first time, then I don't think you'll be able to pluck, otherwise it'll be a very painful experience. So the hadith actually mentions plucking, but again, you can shave it. The idea is to remove it uh, regularly. And, وَغَسْلُ أَثَرَ الْغَائِتِ وَالْبَوْلِ بِالْمَاءِ To wash the, uh, the, the remains or the effects of urination and stool by using water. I mean, a person can wipe by using tissue, but to use water to clean yourself after using the toilet, whether it's a number one or number two, this is also from amongst those practices which Ibrahim did. This is why in one hadith we find the Prophet saying, Ashrum min al fitrah. There are 10 actions which are known as the natural acts, meaning the sunnah acts. Who's sunnah? The sunnah of Ibrahim Ashram min al-fitra, ashram min al-sunnah. There are 10 actions which are from the sunnah, which are from the fitra, natural actions, which anyone, it just makes sense to you that these are things. So it says that Ibrahim was tested. Allah says, bi kalimatin. Now kalimat actually means words. The meaning of kalimat means words. So, sorry, When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tested Ibrahim salam with certain words, he fulfilled the test. And the scholars say this was the test, the personal hygiene and cleanliness. I'm going to quickly move on to something else which is linked. Okay, so let, let's move on to this first of all. This is called Kalimat. It's a perfume. It's my favorite perfume personally. And um, it's called Kalimat. And the reason I've bought it here today is it's this same word. And there's a link here, not with the perfume obviously. They've just used that name. I'm going to link it now to something else that's connected to Ibrahim salam and how the Prophet wasallam introduced to me and you to another sunnah of Ibrahim salam where we also find the word kalimat. And it's interesting and it just brought to my attention that okay, this is also called kalimat and it just brings, ties everything together. And if you don't remember anything, at least you remember the perfume when you go home and that will remind you to do this action which I'm going to share with you now. And that is a practice of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. we find where he's copying 
Sayyiduna Ibrahim alayhisalam. And this is actually a very powerful dua which the Prophet sallallahu taught us for the protection of our children against harm, danger, and the evil eye. And everybody's worried about these things. Nobody wants harm for our children. Nobody wants any kind of danger. Nobody wants their child to be attacked by a dog or even stung by a bee, okay? Uh, and they don't want the evil eye as well. And we know that these things are true and they exist. Thus the Prophet ﷺ teaches us a very beautiful dua. Ibn Abbas who tells us, this is in Sahih Bukhari by the way, that the Prophet ﷺ, he would take his two grandchildren, Hassan and Hussein and he would recite this dua upon them. And after reciting the dua upon them, he would tell them that your father would recite this on Ismail and Ishaq. Who is he referring to as your father? Prophet Ibrahim salam. So the Prophet wasallam would regularly recite this dua for the protection of his grandchildren. And then he would say to them that inna abakum Ibrahim kana yu'awwadhu biha Ismail wa Ishaq. That your father Ibrahim salam, okay, would read this for the protection of his children Ismail and Ishaq. The dua is very simple. A'udhu bi kalimatillahi tamma min kulli shaytanin wa hamma wa min kulli aynin lamma. Very easy. Few words for you to be guaranteed. And I'm going to explain the dua in a minute and you'll understand this is one of the most powerful duas you could make for protection. Very, very powerful. A'udhu, this is one of the most powerful type of ruqya you can do. People are into ruqya nowadays. Okay, the most powerful ruqya you can do without saying too much and spending too much time is this dua. So you can read it for yourself if you're an adult. You might be thinking, I don't have any kids or my kids are old. Okay, you've got grandchildren, you've got nephews, you've got nieces. And if you want to read it on yourself, of course, you can read it on yourself as well. When you read it yourself, you read it like this. A'udhu bi kalimatillahi tamma min kulli shaytanin wa hamma wa min kulli aynin lamma. A'udhu bi kalimatillahi tamma min kulli shaytanin wa hamma wa min kulli aynin lamma. A'udhu bi kalimatillahi tamma. What does it mean? A'udhu, I seek refuge. Bi kalimat, that word again. Bi kalimatillahi tamma. With the perfect words of Allah. With the perfect and complete words of I seek refuge. What am I seeking refuge with? With the perfect words of Allah. From what? Min kulli shaytanin. From every shaytan. Wahamma. And every poisonous creature. Or every harmful creature. Wamin kulli aini lama. And from every evil eye. This is a powerful dua. Why? Because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is saying. So remember what was our word? Kalimat. What does it mean? When you say kalimatillah, a'udhu bi kalimatillah, you're saying a'udhu bi kalimatillah, I seek refuge in the kalimat of Allah. In the, you know what that means? The scholars of Quran, scholars of hadith have said, kalimatillah in this dua means the whole Quran. Have you ever seen a ruqya that powerful? People read Surah Baqarah, Ayatul Kursi, Mu'awwadatayn. This dua, you're taking a ruqya of the whole Quran with one dua because kalimatillahi tamma 
the only complete and perfect words are the words of Allah. Everybody else that speaks any kind of words, we make mistakes, we forget. Our words, our talking, our sentences are incomplete. Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal rahmatullah alayhi, those of you who know a little bit about Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal rahmatullah alayhi, you will know that Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal was tested, was tested and he was challenged and he went through a very difficult period in his life in regards to a mas'ala of khalqul Qur'an. Those of you who've heard and know and have read up a little bit, you will know that there was a fitna which started in his time where the people started to say that the Qur'an is uh, a makhluk, it's a creation of Allah. And this is one of the beliefs of Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah that Quran is not makhluk, it's not a creation, it's the kalam of Allah. Quran is the words of Allah, it's part of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just like Allah it hasn't been created, His words are not created. Yes, the Quran we have in front of us, the pages, the books, the paper, that's a creation, yes. But the actual Quran, and He was imprisoned, He was punished. Because of this issue, he used this hadith also to prove his point. And he says, look, أعوذ بكلمات الله التامة. It's impossible for the Prophet ﷺ to seek refuge in something that is makhluk. It's impossible. Why would the Prophet ﷺ seek refuge in a creation? He's seeking refuge. He's saying, أعوذ بكلمات الله التامة. I'm seeking the refuge of Allah with what? With his complete words. And he proved with this that Quran is not makhluk. So in the time of the pagan Arabs, we find this in the hadith, when they would enter into the valleys, for the first time it's dark, they never had street lights. They used to say, They used to say that I seek refuge in the leader of this valley, meaning the leader of the jinn. So they are seeking the refuge of shaitan, of the jinn. Nowadays as well, many of these ta'wees and stuff that you open, you will find that people are calling upon the shayateen for help, for security. So you're, you're taking assistance and you're trying to protect yourself from one jinn by calling on another jinn. Okay? Here we are being told, put these jinns aside. Okay? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us something much, much more powerful. A'udhu bi kalimatillahi tamma. So kalimatillahi tamma, one meaning is, it's the entire Qur'an. So you say this once and you have taken the refuge uh, in the whole, with the whole Qur'an from these harms and dangers. And the other meaning some scholars have said, it means all the beautiful names of Allah. Sometimes we try to make dua, we use Ya Salam, Ya Shafi, Ya Rahman, Ya Rahim. But this is all, you're saying all of those beautiful names in one go. But most of the scholars have said it refers to the Holy Quran because that is, is dhamma, that is complete and perfect. So the dua is, A'udhu bi kalimatillahi tamma min kulli shaytanin wa hamma wa min kulli aynin lamma. I seek refuge in the perfect words, with the perfect words of Allah from every shaitan. Shaitan we know. And you know shaitan from like before you came into this world, he tried to disturb you. He tried to ensure that you are misguided. We, I'll come to that in a moment. So over here we are making this dua, three things you're asking protection from. 
And this is how the Prophet ﷺ would seek the protection for his children, Hassan and Hussein. Ibrahim ﷺ would do it for Ibrahim, Ismail and Ishaq. And this he has been, he has taught it to us. Now, the way to do it, the correct way of doing it is, if you're reading it for yourself, you will say like this, أَعُوذُ بِكَلِمَاتِ اللَّهِ مِنْ كُلِّ شَيْطَانٍ وَمِنْ كُلِّ عَيْنٍ if, I'm, if I've got a boy, for example, I've got a son, and I'm saying it for him, I will say it like this. Instead of a'udhu, I will say u'idhuka. I seek refuge for you. U'idhuka bi kalimati Allahi tamma min kulli shaytanin wahamma wa min kulli aynin lamma. If I've got a girl, I've got a daughter, I want to read on her or granddaughter, whoever it is, I will say u'idhuki. Over there, u'idhuka. Over here, I say u'idhuki bi kalimati Allahi tamma min kulli shaytanin wahamma. Well, if you've got two children, if you've got two children, because the Prophet read on Hassan and Hussein in one go. He didn't say one for Hassan and one for Hussein. He said it in one go. It's easy. These are the words of Allah. There's no, it's not as if oh, it might not be as powerful if I say it both together in one go. No, it's the same. It's the name of Allah, very powerful. And the Prophet would actually use these words. Which means I seek refuge for you too. Uridukuma bikalimati lahi tamma min kulli shaitanin wahamma wa min kulli ainin lama. Rest of the dua is the same, it's just the first word. Okay? So you've got two children, regardless of age. Remember, for this dua, you don't need to put your hand on them. You can if you want, but you don't have to put your hand on them. You don't need to blow on them. You don't have to. The hadith doesn't mention that. And you don't even have to be present where they are. So you could be. You could have left the house and you think, oh, I didn't read the dua today. Or they've gone to a relative's house or they've gone to a function. They've gone to a wedding. And, you know, there's all sorts of people. Maybe they could get the evil eye uh, or maybe they could get harmed on the way. You know, we just heard recently about the two girls that got attacked by a dog, for example. Oh, it's summer season. They might get stung by a bee, whatever. And you might think, I didn't read the dua. You could read it even in their absence as well and it will benefit them. If you're saying for more than two children, you will say, "Uridukum, uridukum, bi kalimati Allahi tamma min kulli shaytanin wahamma wa min kulli ainin lamma." Now, um, very quickly in regards to the actual du'a, what are you asking for? So you're saying, "Aroodu bi kalimati Allahi tamma." I've explained kalimati Allahi tamma, which means the whole Quran. So you're like basically putting the whole Quran there. That's a, a very powerful form of ruqya. And you're seeking protection from three things. Shaitan. Number two, Wahamma. Okay, Waham, ha, sorry, Hamma. And Ainil Lamma. Shaitan, we all know. And Hamma, many scholars have said Hamma means Samma, meaning every creature that's poisonous. So snakes, scorpions, and any, anything that's poisonous. And other scholars have said that it doesn't necessarily have to be poisonous. It's anything that harms you. Because we find a hadith where the Prophet ﷺ uses this word and he addresses somebody, Do the head lice in your head cause you pain and difficulty? Head lice, okay? At the end of the day, it might not be poison, it might not kill you, but it's, it's a nuisance, isn't it? It's, it's it discomfort, it's inconvenience. 
So that's also included, ulama mentioned. Any type of creature that could harm you. So that includes the sting of a bee, the biting of a dog. We run, don't we? We run for our lives when we see a dog. Okay, Asians do anyway. I don't know about others, but our Asians, we do anyway. Um, so, so you've got shaitan, and then you've got any dangerous or harmful creature. And the third is aynul lamma, the evil eye. And we know from the hadith, the Prophet wasallam says, Al-aynu haqqun, the evil eye is true. It does happen. We call it nazar generally. And you can give yourself nazar. We find there was a, let's not go into stories now because we don't have much time. Um, we'll leave the stories for another time. So I'll just keep it brief. You can give yourself another. So if you look in the mirror and you think, oh wow, I'm looking great today. Um, okay, that could harm you. Um, you can give your own children nazar. So you're looking at your children. You didn't read, say, MashaAllah. You didn't say, Allahumma barik. You didn't attach the, the beauty or the goodness or the fortune or the blessing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, you can cause harm there. And obviously to others. Now in this day and age of social media, people are not particular whatsoever. Um, so on one side, what should you do when you see somebody with something good? It pleases you. You like something what somebody's got. Okay. Uh, you should say, MashaAllah, or Allahumma barik, or Allah give you barakah, or Allah bless it. In that way, what happens? You are safeguarded from the, the danger and the effect of the evil eye. And on the receiving end, we should be particular about reading the du'as. And from the many du'as, one of the most powerful ones is this particular du'a. أَعُوذُ بِكَلِمَاتِ اللَّهِ مِنْ كُلِّ شَيْطَانٍ وَمِنْ كُلِّ and if you're reading on your children, now with children, you notice one thing with children. Um, children get evil eye much more than adults do. Have you noticed? Okay, children always, they're always falling ill, getting sick. This happens, that happens. And the evil eye is quite dangerous. It can kill you as well. Evil eye is as dangerous. It can kill a person. A lot of people that have cancer, um, who have, uh, uh, what's the... Um, they have tumors, for example, a lot of tumors, cancers, are all caused by al-ayn, the evil eye. And that's how dangerous it is. And it can kill a person as well. This is why it's important that we should, number one, not flash our things to the world. Okay, don't show everybody what you've been eating, what you've been wearing, what you've been doing, where you've been going. Because it's just natural. You're giving people a chance to give you the evil eye. And on the other side, we should take protection and precaution regarding ourselves and our children we find prophet yusuf alayhi father yaqub alayhi when he sent his sons now imagine having so many sons you've got all all of them sons 12 sons and they're all walking in in one go okay and they're all looking very very nice so he told them ya that when you go there to the palace don't go enter from one door enter from different doors okay because you could get the evil eye. So there was a precaution there. So we should be particular and careful. If you notice with children, a lot of times what we do is we say, oh, they're only young. In a lot of aspects, we say they're only young, they're kids. Whereas that's not the case. Have you noticed even before a child comes into the world, shaitan tries to misguide that child even before. What did the Prophet wasallam say? When a man and woman, they cohabit and have relations, Shaitan tries to join in. And if you don't say Bismillah at that time, 
shaitan actually partakes in the action as a result of which the child will be born will have the evil influence of shaitan so shaitan starts so early and we keep saying abhi chota hai still still small still young so shaitan started from there number two when a child is born a child cries yes we all see when the baby is born what the hadith tells us very clearly why does a child cry when they are born because the shaitan pinches them so shaitan has started even before you came into this world when you were born and then when you are young you see young children they get the evil eye the ayn the nazar so much shaitan causes this he wants this to happen so the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is telling us that don't think they're just small many a times we might be particular about reading duas and surahs of the quran maybe when we put our children to bed for the older ones but for the younger ones maybe the ones who can't read it themselves maybe we might not be so particular oh they're still little just have your milk and go to sleep or listen to a lullaby or something and you know watch teletubbies but the Prophet ﷺ is doing this for those aged children who can't read themselves. When you can read yourself, then you, you can read, it's fine. But if this is particularly for those children who can't read themselves. This is why you need to read for them. And as soon as they are able to read, you teach it to them for them to read. So, أعوذ بكلمات الله التامة من كل شيطان وهامة ومن كل عين اللامة Read after me. أعوذ so it's been added to the description of the video for those who want to uh, benefit from it later on inshallah make dua uh, that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us the ability to practice upon this and the scholars have mentioned what's the link because hama is those creatures that are poisonous and some creatures are so poisonous that can kill you and the link with mentioning hamma with Ainul Lama is this that the nazar and the ayn and the evil eye can also kill you as well it might not kill you straight away but it could make you ill and then you could fall into a state of illness that ends up causing you to die later on the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said to kill certain snakes and he gave a description to kill the snakes that have got two lines at the back and then he went to describe and he said two things the poison from this snake is so poisonous that if it, 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 it can kill you instantly in one hadith it mentions that this particular snake if, if it comes in contact with you it throws its venom on you if a woman is pregnant she'll have a miscarriage straight away hadith tells us and if it goes in your eye will make you blind straight away that's how poisonous it is so all poisons are different. Not all poison is the same. Some might not kill you. Some might, if, if a bee stings you, I mean, that's not really, you know, it's not really much. But it does inconvenience you. Having head lice is also inconvenient. So all of these things are included in this beautiful dua. أعوذ بكلمات الله التامة من كل شيطان وهامة ومن كل عين لامة Nevertheless, so this is uh, the kalimat. If it wasn't um, COVID, maybe I would have shared this around with everybody. Um, nevertheless. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that we granted Ibrahim alayhi salam a sound judgment formally, meaning when he was very, very young, Allah says we knew him very well. So from a very young age, by the way, Salatul Isha will take place once we've finished our lesson, inshaAllah. 
Uh, Ibn Kathir rahmatullah says, another way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises Sayyiduna Ibrahim salam is by saying, وَتِلْكَ حُجَّتُنَا آتَيْنَاهَا إِبْرَاهِيمَ عَلَىٰ قَوْمِهِ And this is the argument that we gave to Ibrahim salam against his people. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted Ibrahim salam this special mannerism and a technique of arguing, of debating, of challenging people when it came to the aspect of Tawheed and Shirk. The people were committing Shirk and associating partners with Allah. And he was Hanif, a monotheist. No element of Shirk, even though he was born in that kind of an environment. The scholars mentioned the first challenge and the first argument and the debate that Ibrahim had was with his own father. We find that his own father was an idol worshipper and the Quran tells us Mention Ibrahim in the book. He was a man of truth. He was a prophet. When he said to his father, Ya abati lima ta'budu ma la yasma'u wa la yubsiru wa la yughni anka shay'a. Oh my father, why do you worship that that doesn't hear? It doesn't see and it doesn't benefit you whatsoever. Very good sound judgment, very beautiful way and eloquently presented. Can you get a better presentation than that? How nicely. Remember he's talking to his father. Although he's mushrik, but he's very respectful, very kind in his approach. So why do you worship that that doesn't hear you? It can't see and it doesn't benefit you in any way. Ya abati inni qad ja'ani min al-ilmi ma lam ya'taki fattabi'ni ahdika siratun sawiyya. Oh my father, there's such knowledge that has come to me from Allah that hasn't come to you. Okay, I'm not saying that, you know, I know it all and you know, but the truth is I've received certain knowledge from Allah which you haven't received. Follow me, ahdika siratan sawiyya. I'll guide you to the proper path. The path you're on now isn't the proper path. This is incorrect. It's misguidance. I will show you the proper path. Ya abati la ta'budi shaitan. Oh, my beloved father. Please, he's saying, please. He's pleading to his father. Don't worship the shaitan, the devil. In the shaitan akala lirrahmani asiyya. Because the devil is disobedient to the most merciful Allah. Allah is so kind and so merciful and the devil disobeyed him and you're following that devil. Ya abati inni akhafu an yamassaka adhabun min ar-Rahman fatakuna lishaytani waliya. Oh my beloved father, I fear that the punishment of the most compassionate Allah will afflict you and then you'll become the friend of shaytan. Now, now, that was Ibrahim salam speaking to his father. The father now addresses Ibrahim salam and he says to him, Araghibun anta an alihati ya Ibrahim or Ibrahim are you renouncing my idols are you turning away from my idols are you rejecting my idols are you saying you don't want to have anything to do with the idols that I worship he said la illam tantahi la arjumannaka wahjurni maliya if you don't stop desisting my idols if you don't stop speaking bad of my idols then I'm going to stone you to death. He's saying this to his own son. Wahjurni maliya and get away from me and leave me alone for a long time. Like, I don't want to hear of you. Just go from here. So Ibrahim salam realized that his father had, that was that, the kind of the limit. He knew how, you know, how far he could go. He knew which buttons to press and which ones not to. So then he says to his father, Qala salamun alayk. 
And this is the manner. وَإِذَا خَاتَبَهُمُ الْجَاهِلُونَ قَالُوا سَلَامَةً Quran tells us وَعِبَادُ الرَّحْمَانِ The slaves of Rahman are those that when they discuss and they debate and they come to a person who is ignorant, who is a jahil, who doesn't want to listen, who just wants to fight and cannot reason with you, then the best way is قَالُوا سَلَامَةً Just say salamu alaykum. That's it. End it there. Don't try and explain and go into things because they're not going. When he understood that his father now has become violent, now he's going to get physical. He's saying, I'm going to stone you to death. I don't want anything to do with you. So then he, re he said, Salamun alayk. Peace be upon you, my father. Laka Rabbi. I'm going to carry on asking Allah to forgive you. Because you know Allah has been very gracious with me. He's blessed with me so many things. I'm going to distance myself from you and that which you worship besides Allah. Rabbi, I'm going to carry on praying to Allah. And I trust that I won't be disappointed in praying to my Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when I'm asking for forgiveness in regards to you. So this is how Ibrahim salam presented the da'wah and the invitation to his father. Then we find an example where Ibrahim salam he now he's promised his father, like, look, goodbye for now, but I'm going to carry on praying for you. Then in another place in the Quran, we find, وَمَا كَانَ اسْتِغْفَارُ إِبْرَاهِيمُ لِأَبِيهِ إِلَّا أَمْ مَوْعِدَةٍ وَعَدَهَا إِيَّا Ibrahim salam only asked Allah for forgiveness for his father because a promise that he had made him. Remember he told him, I'm going to seek forgiveness for you. Because When it became apparent to Ibrahim salam that his father was an enemy of Allah, Ibrahim salam disowned him. He said, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. I'm not going to pray for you anymore. Before he thought he had hope, he's going to pray to Allah, his heart might change. Like Nuh salam had hopes regarding his son, and then Allah told him, look, he's not from your family. He didn't believe. So you need to cut off with him. Similarly, Ibrahim had high hopes for his father. That's why he promised him that, don't worry, although it's goodbye for now, I'm going to carry on praying and seeking forgiveness on your behalf. However, Quran says, When it became apparent for Ibrahim that his father is an enemy of Allah, he disowned him. Ibrahim was very caring and very patient. Now we come to the end and we conclude today's session with the hadith of the Prophet reported by Imam al-Bukhari in his Sahih. We're just finishing off on the topic of the father of Ibrahim The Prophet says, Yalqa Ibrahim abahu azira yawm al-qiyamah. On the day of judgment, Ibrahim is going to meet his father Azar on this day of judgment. Wa'ala wajhi, wajhi azar qataratun wa ghabara. And the face of Azar will be blackened and it will have dust. So it will be full of dirt and it will be full of dust and full of disgrace. And Ibrahim will say to his father, Oh dad, didn't I tell you not to disobey me? Didn't I, I warned you, I remind, I told you don't disobey me. Listen to what I've got to say. I had a point, didn't I? So the father of Ibrahim Aleyhisselam, Oh my son, today I will not disobey you. Tell me anything. It's a day of judgment, remember. 
Tell me what to do. I won't disobey you today. So Ibrahim salam will say, Ya Rabbi, innaka wa'attani Allah tukhzini yawma yuba'athun fa'ayyu khizhin akhza min abil abad. He will say, Oh Allah, you promised me that you're not going to disgrace me on the day of resurrection. What can be more disgraceful than having a father that is cursed? Look at the state of my father. He's cursed and he's dishonored, disgraced. Look at his face. Oh Allah, you promised me that you're not going to disgrace me on the day of Jum. This is all disgraceful for me. That I'm seeing my father disgraced and you promised me that you're... Remember Nuh alayhi salam also said that, Oh Allah, you promised me that you're going to look after my family and save them. And what did Allah respond? That no, innahu laysa min ahlik. He's not from your family. Innahu amalun ghayru salih. He didn't have any righteous deeds. So similar thing happens over here. فَيَقُولُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will respond to Sayyiduna Ibrahim alayhi salam on yawmul qiyamah inni harramtu al-jannata ala al-kafirin that oh Ibrahim you know that I have made paradise and jannah forbidden upon the disbelievers thumma yuqalun now to make things easy for Ibrahim alayhi salam so that he doesn't feel that he's losing out he doesn't feel disheartened Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will cause this situation to happen thumma yuqalu ya Ibrahim ma tahta rijalaik Allah will say Ibrahim what look what's beneath your feet and when he looks beneath his feet fayanduru faida huwa bidhikhin multakhin when he looks beneath his feet he will see a hairy, bloody creature. Some have translated it as a hyena with a lot of hair and fur, which will look very disgraced and bloodied and squashed. And then this animal or this creature or will be taken with its feet and then thrown into Jahannam. And what will have happened is Allah will transform Azdar, the father of Ibrahim السلام, into this creature which will be disgraced and Ibrahim salam then will not have any regard for him or any remorse or regret thinking what's happened to my father because he will realize that up until now it was fine we were living in the world but they are the day of judgment the day of judgment is a day of deciding between haq and batil between iman and kufr in the world we all live together people of belief people of no belief but when it comes to the Akhirah, when it comes to Jannah and Jahannam, that's it. We part our ways. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will call out on the day of judgment. So we find in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has described the father of Ibrahim. Uh, Quran says when Ibrahim said to his father, Azar. Whereas in the hadith where we discussed earlier, Ibn Abbas ta'ala anhu says, the father of Ibrahim salam, his name was Tarih. And in Hebrew, they would say Tarih. Okay. And so they say that one was his name. So Tarih was his name. And Azar was his nickname, named after one of the idols that he used to worship. Some have gone on to say that this wasn't his father, it was his uncle. But that's like going a bit too far because the Quran clearly mentions the word Abihi and his father. Nevertheless, so we end on here for today's session, inshallah. Now, after he's dealt with his father, Ibrahim is going to go to the rest of his people and he's going to provide them proofs. 
on evidence to prove the oneness and the existence of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which we'll cover, insha'Allah, in the next session. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us a true understanding of the Qur'an. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us to follow in the footsteps of Ibrahim alayhi salam, just like our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was told to follow in the footsteps of Ibrahim alayhi salam. Wa akhiru da'wana. And alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.